This is the Doc Psychology Podcast with Lynn Bokey, Todd Langston, and Art Ortiz. Well, today we're going to talk about the importance of proper development from puppyhood go. to um, you know adolescence. Um, you know, I, I think that a lot of times people get a puppy, they, all, they always want to do the right thing, but by doing the right thing that's based out of fear, sometimes we kind of go the wrong way. If that makes any sense. I think vets put in a lot of fear also. Yeah, that's ridiculous oh, dude. to say that you can't yep. you wait till the shots. I, I, it's all right that they say don't go to like cesspool places. I think that'd be fine. But you could walk through shit that has diseased all over it and walk in your house and it falls off and then your dog could get it. So it doesn't make any difference. Uh, it just does make a difference not to go to a cesspool dog park where they're going to get Catch. Well, I do this because of that. I followed that advice too too stringently and didn't socialize a German Shepherd mm. and ended up with uh, a dog that didn't benefit from that. You know, and I just had an appointment today, which was the same thing. It was a completely spun out golden retriever. Same same advice. You know, this thing was nine months old and they didn't want to take it out until four months old. And That's insane. I mean, you miss so, 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 so much at that. I wonder that if it's just a misunderstanding that the clients are hearing from the vet or are the vets really saying, do not take your dog outside yeah. for that many weeks. That's, 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 yeah, that's what the vets vet are saying. That's just stupid. That's they, they should know, but they're looking. Uh, well, to- I was going to do a post on it today. I'll do it tomorrow. Cause I didn't get it out. So I was looking at a couple of things. So I've always, uh, believed in and talked to people that it's socioeconomic, it's presence of parvo and distemper. The pockets of this are actually connected to socioeconomic area and it's connected to lower area. So it's even easier to avoid if you know that and you know where it tends to concentrate itself. It's not running rampant in the environment. You're not getting it like that. And yes, the vets are, are not giving any more info than what was just said, don't take your dog out until they're four months old. So these people, um, the previous litter of puppies they were going to get a dog from all died of parvo. So then when they found this person, they were parvo scared on top of it. So they took the vet's advice even, you know, further. And and so it's, so yeah, it's, I think that might be the single most damaging piece of advice that's given, especially in the first, phase of a puppy's life has to be don't take your puppy out and I mean, gotta be something that we can that, that they can do well, well they don't give the alternative that's the deal what do you mean well so like where does parvo exist it exists in the soil right and they say you know keep your dogs don't go in grassy areas blah blah, blah. so it exists in the soil but you can still go to like like i remember when we i had a puppy um eight-week-old puppy that I brought in that I trained and I would take it to like patio restaurants where there was concrete, you know, things like that. Uh, or if I knew like, uh, you know, I was going to clean out certain things, but I always got it exposed to people. I go around places that had, you can even go to the mall here in Dallas. You can, you know, you can take the dogs to some of the malls, just walk around the mall with the dog and get it to that exposure. You don't have to limit the dog by, you know, by only adhering to the advice of don't take them out, period, you miss a really good opportunity. We, we know that. 
And we tell people that, but generally after they've already done the lack yep. of uh, socialization, there's got to be a way that the vets can change the whole direction that it's going by simply giving more information about that. Well, I think it could also, I, I think there needs to be more questions about, okay, so when, how many cases do we have here in this area where, where were these cases? So people can get information as opposed to a vet maybe got scarred by seeing a dog or a puppy get this and die from it two years ago, just like people whose dog ran out and got hit by a car and never want the dog to run out the door. And so you get these vets that might be overemphasizing it because, you know, the emotional side is in play. And so there, there's always going to be inherent risk with any type of disease. And, and the thing that they're sitting here telling you as they inject these vaccines into the dog is, hey, don't let your dog go out because he's not vaccinated. Well, it's like, what the fuck are you doing right now? Yeah. You know, he came with some antibodies from his mom. You're giving him a round of vaccinations right now. What do you where is the fear of him not being vaccinated coming from? Because you're right. doing it right now. I know there's risk to get the disease. I know that. But maybe I'm a little overly um, risk of like not averse in this area to take the chance, though. You know, so maybe I'm willing to go too far the other direction. Yeah. Again, that's that's what you and I and what we suggest. But it's it's not going to solve the problem unless somebody of a medical authority is saying, hey, look, we've overemphasized not to take your dogs out. We need to change that because it, we're having massive social issues with dogs as they grow up. I would much rather have a dog get sick and possibly die uh, of parvo than 12 years of hell because they they weren't socialized properly. And uh, you're right, those are all uh, great things that people should know, but they, they're only looking for that information from the vet. Uh, I think it's a, an irresponsibility to just say, don't take your boy. Just, it's just crazy. It's insane. Did we lose Todd? Look, oh, there we go. There he is. He was trying to give us a dick pic or something. I don't know what you were doing down there with the camera. Uh, figured it out. Sorry, dude. Okay. All right. Devel well, we're talking about development. I wanted to show you where you can end up. Where you right. Right. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, so I, I think you're right. We somehow people need to learn this, but we're always telling people after the fact, you know, after the fact doesn't help. Do you know what's another Go good right. thing that I've noticed about um, a lot of times people will get dogs that are bottle fed and I've seen a lot of bottle fed dogs not have, the development from the mom and you know I, i've kind of seen where uh and usually it's, it's it's usually like a fear nervous uh sometimes a lot of aggression that i've noticed also but i have mm -hmm. noticed some I, I we have a client that has um not only bottle fed puppies but litter mates they got the, the twofold uh but this client that i know has a really good understanding of dogs and they raise them and they also had other dogs to help out raise them too uh, but they're on top of every little detail and so uh, you know, for, for what I've seen with, with, uh, you know, bottle fed puppies where they don't get that development from the mom, I've noticed a lot of behavioral issues with that, that as well. There's something as simple, even with bottle feeding, I, I can't remember who it was and how long ago I saw this. Uh, but somebody came up with one of the things that's missing when you bottle feed, uh, the little babies is this kneading, you know, where they're pushing on the mother's stomach 
you know, it's a natural thing. This person made a thing to put around the nipple of the bottle so that the puppy could push on it. So at least it had that extra thing and it gives the human something else to do rather than stare into its eyes as if they're, it's their child that they, you know, they never had. That's a big problem right there is how, what you're thinking about while you're letting this dog feed, uh, you know, but just simple uh, things like that, the instinctual, because when you watch even adult dogs and they're doing that kneading thing, even a, that's, that's a signal for satisfaction, you know, because that's the sound that they hear while they're, them and their siblings are, are uh, feeding. Simple things like that that are just taken away cause problems down the line. Well, the volume of touch yeah. that they get from each other while they're in there doing it as well and, the, and all the various amounts of touching that's happening. So what's the earliest you guys have seen like an aggressive situation? And it's, I had a, a puppy handed to me that was a must if I remember right, four or five weeks old, years and years ago from a shelter and labeled aggressive and legitimately had like a forward aggressive tendency at that age that it would grab your face. And, mm -hmm. and it would, I mean, it would like, it would go full bore. And I had a really good group at the time, I had a good pack at the time. And I was just like, yeah, I'll take it. And I just went plop. And like you said, Art, uh, it, the, the pack did a really good job, but what was cool is the power of imprint at that period. Like I remember being able to do like sound and get it to respond to sound in a way that I would, I always wondered if years and years later, if I would have seen the dog, if it would have, because it got into a, I did like a recall imprint when this thing was like, you know, five, six weeks old and it would just come charging over and running to type of sound. And it did it the whole time I had it until it got a home and it went and lived on a chicken farm. Uh, Sue was responsible for getting me that dog, Lynn. It was I, coming through somebody I, she knew. I got Hugh and Tuffy from Sue. Uh, Hugh came from me for a while, wasn't it? Was that the Blue Pity? Uh, yeah, but that's I met him at uh, the shelter. I went out to visit Sue and oh, that's I, right. we were going to put him down that day. He wouldn't move. Yeah, wouldn't that's move. right. Yeah. And, uh, and so I got him moving and everything and they said, we're not going to put him down now. And then Sue says, I'm going to pull him. And then three weeks, four weeks later, she's called and said, he's aggressive. I don't know what to do. Uh, it's because, and I'll talk about that in a second, but uh, I said, okay, send him out and I'll rehabilitate him, send him back. When he got here, I'm like, he ain't going nowhere. He's here. But at that I thought I, I, thought you, I did had have, you did have him. I think I have a picture of him in the back seat with your dogs and He's, he was really great with dogs. So he went to uh, from Sue over to you in between. Uh, okay, that's what I, I I thought I had him. Yeah, I'm not telling you guys not to talk. This damn thing, I raise my hands and it starts to go into auto mode and wants to track me. I apologize. But yeah, he spent a, a little time with, with you. And, uh, and then he came out to me and uh, he, he I, and another thing that I believe is a problem with development is that I saw this dang thing. I saw a couple of trainers, well-known, talking about uh, um, neutering in spaying. I have no problem with neutering a dog uh, early. That, that, that's not a problem. The problem is, to me, the anesthesia. And I think that's where Hugh got his massive problems because he was just too young to be having those issues. And I think that the anesthesia 
really did a number on him. And there's been studies on that too. So I'm, I mean, I'm not a scientist, but uh, yeah, you could really mess it. I've had clients. He was not this way before he got neutered. He's not even my dog. I don't even understand who he is. That stuff messes with development. Um, but yeah, Hugh was one of those, but a lot of those dogs that, uh, that are bottle fed, those dogs were denied by mother nature. You know, like the, right. the mother said, no, uh, I'm not going to feed you. And some of them, you know, once that happens, the breeder wants to feed them because they want, they don't want to lose that money. And, uh, like with Monty, that one dog that I, that pit bull that I, I did, that was the worst resource guarding into nine months. It took forever, but, uh, that, that, uh, breeder saw that, Oh, hey, mom, I got to feed him. So he bottle fed him for a little bit. And then when it was time to eat with the puppies, the puppies then started to attack him as well. And so this guy says, well, I got to feed him separately. And of course now this puppy has learned to defend itself over food. And so the dog would lunge at the breeder and he would smack a slap or whatever, go away. And then he'd throw the food in there. So for two years, this dog would fight and then get fed. And so it took it forever. And he was like a rain man guy, a judge Wapner at 4 PM. I mean, I set up a perfect, perfect, uh, sequence of first feeding event. And as soon as they steered off of that, he, he bit again and really badly. But, uh, uh, yeah, the, I think that a lot of it has to do with the anesthesia. Like with Hugh, he was, he was not right. Uh, I, I know we've talked about that, but the anesthesia, around. because for a long time, uh, and I know this may be a very unpopular opinion, but, um, you know, when we talk about how nature exists and, you know, um, I, I believe that, and again, I, I've, I'll tell you how I came to this conclusion, how I don't think that, that the animals should be spayed or neutered. Um, and so I, I had spent some time in Germany and I spent some time with a woman who has a pack of 60 dogs and she has complete control of them. And she's actually like, I would call her the female Lynn because she does a lot of things like Lynn in a way. Um, and but one of the things that she, when I was with her, we were hiking with all these dogs and, you know, deer would come out and she would send them off to go chase the deer. And then she would go, would turn on a dime and come back to her and lay at her feet. Uh, and so we got to talking because I noticed that some, like some of the dogs weren't, you know, in the middle, you could tell that they weren't neutered and they had their, their package down there. And so I asked her, I said, you know, how are you doing this? Like, how are you? She's like, and I, and she goes, oh, you know, I, I. Uh, you know, I, that's one thing that I don't like about the Americans that they castrate all the animals, you know? And I was like, well, because, you know, I kind of explained my position about as far as behavior and this and that. And, and she's like, but look at my dogs. She had 60 dogs. Two of them had been spayed because they were given to her. And I said, what do you do when, when you have a female in heat? She's like, oh, I just separate them. Like no big deal. Oh, I separate them. And yeah, part and, of the, the act. but uh, as far as development, I mean, I, I, you know, she's really good about developing them because she's also a breeder, but she's really good about developing them. And, she, you know, she's like, I really like for them to to get all the things they need. They need. And I know, like, I'm four years old. Um, and fortunately, I've had the, the ability to still maintain uh, testosterone natu uh, naturally and uh, at a good level. 
Um, but I kind of feel with when that's taken away from the animal really young, they don't develop right. And I think that honestly, that can cause a lot of anxiety. I mean, think about some of the, you know, what they, the research are finding on, on humans, on, on males um, that don't have uh, the, the testosterone. I'm on testosterone because I'm 55. Uh, and, uh, you know, other than masturbating more than ever, I, there's not that, I, that when I was really depressed, I thought that was, might've been one of the reasons I've been on it. I, I don't think there's been much change there. Other people said it's magic. As soon as they start the testosterone replacement therapy, that they're back to life. I'm still tired as ever. Uh, but it's okay though. I get what you mean, but we, well, there's another thing it regulates. So testosterone regulates, and that's the thing that we see is that we see, what do we call it? Insecure dominance. So basically what you, what you've lost is the ability to regulate pushiness, to regulate the side of going into, to, you know, that, that type of energy. So you have all these dogs that understand the practice, but probably don't have that inherent hormonal regulation. And I like you guys, I'm actually, I'm high too, Art. Um, I'm 50 and I'm not on a supplement, but I'm in the high 700s. And so it's, I think, and that I've always wondered too, you know, my, the dog has to smell that. The dog has to know the testosterone level. Oh, yeah. It just inherently has to be able to smell you and know it. And, and and it means something. There has to be like a concentration or something in the, you know. It does mean something. And it does have a lot to do with, you know, bone and fur and all of that. My point to not, it doesn't bother me so much that a dog is, is neutered or spayed, is that we jumped into the world where they were already doing it. They're, it's almost like unstoppable, like right. don't your puppy outside after you get these shots. Right. So the difference, however, like the lady in Germany, she doesn't have a problem because 99.9% .9 of them are all intact. But if you take uh, an intact dog into the dog park, you see a massive difference uh, with everybody coming around it. And that right. can cause problems, especially if he gets irritated with everybody's smell. Now, the opposite is to take the now altered dogs into a dog park overseas where nobody's altered and watch the same exact thing happen to the intact dog in an, in an altered dog right. park because they smell different. They, there, there's something completely different about them and it just absorbs everybody's attention and they just want to come over and check it out. Now, it's bothersome sometimes because they're, they get rude and that causes that, that then causes fights, but uh, she doesn't have the issue because everybody's intact. Here. Well, and, and fulfilled and fulfilled no, that's and very fulfilled. massive uh i didn't think we were even talking about that uh Just, yeah, yeah that that's a massive thing whether you, they're intact or not you know but once they've been uh like hugh once they've been altered and the anesthesia's in there now his everything it doesn't have anything to do with testosterone now now his brain doesn't work right things are wired correctly and, uh, or it's, it's changed the wiring, nothing to do with testosterone at all at that point. Have you guys paid attention over the years to the dogs that you like best as far as like, you know, I believe you can tell when they were altered based on the size of their junk, right? So if they're altered super early, like it never really develops like Mr. Pickles, 
has just a you know super tiny junk and then hercules you know his little tiny dog but yeah he's hanging and so you could tell he was probably neutered later definitely a difference in in some projections of their behaviors do you guys have that connection like mr pickles to me is a really easy dog and i think those dogs are easier there's something about them that they're excitable like his issue when i I met him he was one of those hyper excited um like uh, bully breeds which kind of you know they get in that mode just when you go to like hey and and they they don't get aggressive but it's like a fine line and they just get hyped up and that's what i see but once you get that out of the way he's like it's not that he's submissive but he's he has no like dominant characteristics and I don't think it's just like the whole pack position or anything. It's like I, it seems to be somewhat consistent. I'm so what I'm asking you guys if in your packs and in the dogs you've had, I've seen plenty you know, of dogs that are altered that have they're dominant. Not altered, but altered early. Like to me, he was altered um, probably like four or five months old. Yeah, see, I I, I don't know the uh, the scheduling on a lot of those dogs that were altered that came through my place. Um, right. Tell you whether it was because it was early or not. Um, that certainly well, should be a study. Well, I can tell sort. you my favorite dog of all time is my dog, Frankie, who just passed away in February, but um, he was a little, he was a short, long dog. Um, and he had a big junk on him too, but I got him uh, at two years old and he was a stray and they neutered him at the shelter. So he's already two right. years old. He, he was, everyone, <laughs> you know, everyone was like, man, that, that, that guy's loaded, man. Uh, and then also another <laughs> dog, another dog named Kilo, who's my neighbor's dog. Um, I rescued him when we had that big, huge snowstorm in 2021 or yeah, 2021. And, uh, he was left in the backyard with food, but like they had left the country and he, I was like, he's going to die. And he, he was six years old when I got him and he'd never been neutered. And, and so we brought him over and he just fit into our pack. He was a deaf dog. Big too. White. Yeah. That, that blue, big white, the, the black one, the blue eyes. Oh, that dog was amazing. Yeah. So I, I used to take See, this. So, so maybe they have to have it. Maybe that testosterone is mandatory for that good development then. You know, uh, if you start looking at enough cases, you're going to see that maybe if they get it long enough. Like over the years, I would have been at the beginning, yeah, you know, spay, neuter. But as I've seen what I believe, when when males and females are intact, at least, especially females who have had puppies and get to do it properly, they feel more balanced to me. It's almost like a wisdom. They, to me, they feel like they have an experience that that calms them down. And I'm not saying it's across the board, nothing is, but I think the whole, you know, the work with mother nature, not against it type of thing. Caesar is pretty true here where an intact dog that gets to go through the whole process that lives a balanced life is going to be a better behaved dog for a dog in the exact same situation that was altered. <clears throat> Cause I think the hormones matter that much. You know, I'm, I'm not a veterinary anything, so I can't speak intelligently on it. So I, but I do know that whenever somebody was going to, they adopted a dog or found a dog and they were going to go ahead and spay or neuter them. Uh, I, I would say, let me go ahead and rehabilitate them first. So we get that down, everything down while the right. chemicals are rolling through their body. And then let's go ahead and alter them. And then I'll do some maintenance to make sure, because it takes several weeks for it to fi finally get out of there. And then it's kind of like, imprinted at that point on the body the, to keep the state of mind but to neuter a, a, an aggressive dog right then and but it, it just kind of sticks it doesn't really go away i mean you can do some work on them but 
I, that's the nature thing. I, I, it's worked for me to do that, to rehabilitate them, then alter them. Cause then that brain is all relaxed when they go through that and keep the brain the way we, uh, set it. And it seemed to be smooth, but I, I'm not, I, I can't speak intelligently on how all, all of the, that, that works. I had never heard um, Lynn but, about, uh, uh, you know, the anesthesia. I, I never really thought about that. Uh, because well, you should check it out. It's horrible now. I, I mean, there's gotta be some research on that, what it does to the, to the brain and the slow, I mean, slow the development down. I mean, but, I, but I think about of, it like, you know, um, you know, putting a child under anesthesia, like what, 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 that could do, you know, and like we think about a puppy such a, at such a young age, at six months old. I mean, there's this there's, is what well, I yeah, because vets can make mistakes easy on anesthesia. That's why there's a doctor when we go and have surgery. There's one doctor for that for you, right? And when your pet's go, doing it, there's it's the same probably person that's responsible for going and getting the like the sponges or something. And well, so you can you can you can put yourself ahead of the game by taking them to a vet that has an anesthesiologist, not just somebody who does anesthesia. You, I want to be there. I don't care. I'll pay the extra. I want the actual anesthesiologist to do the work. Otherwise I'll go somewhere else. And, uh, that would probably be better because the mistake does that, does that exist outside of some of the major like facilities. I don't know about uh, smaller ones, but, uh, you can, you can go to the big ones and say, what, what day is the anesthesiologist not working? I don't want the assistance. They're qualified. They're qualified, but they're, they can make more mistakes. The possibility is there to make more mistakes than the actual, um, doctor. But, and again, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know enough about veterinary science, but to... see, this is the same, this is the same way that the whole Parvo thing got started too. That some people that some people wanted to listen to you start we start talking and now the next people are gonna be like fuck do I get my dogs fixed mm. I don't want to put them under are their brains gonna get toasted I, I other- would, they just, most people aren't gonna fulfill their dogs uh, not most people but a lot of people don't fulfill their dogs and if they are intact you're gonna have some pretty well practiced problems uh, that are backed by the hormones uh, it's it's a safety it doesn't change much I think there's vaccine stuff at play too i think that this can't be downplayed either because your dogs get like three rounds of vaccines that have between five and seven five and eight vaccines each in them right so they're getting these these repetitive vaccines from early early ages and i'm not saying they don't need protection but i know of a few cases where uh, mistakes were made in dosing and they were poisoned and that that poisoning had a, a pretty strong behavioral effect. So I think it's a, a combination of things. We, are, we create a very toxic environment for our dogs. You know, there, there, we we put flea medications and we, and all of the these things that we do to them, and all of these vaccines, and we give round after round after round of vaccine year after year after year after year. Um, we feed them poorly. We feed them these foods that can sit on a shelf and be dry food for mm. years at a time. And then on top of all of that. We put them in an environment to let them soak up all of our bullshit and we don't walk them far enough. So, I mean, it gets really hard to start to separate, I think, like what affects it. Uh, but I, I really think that if you don't step back and take a look at it, we really, we essentially almost poison these dogs from little puppies from early on with everything, including the surgeries and everything else. 
it's pretty rough. Yeah, that's, that's it's true. It's true. And uh, I guess I, I don't, uh, whatever vaccines they had before I got the dogs, I don't, I don't continue to do them each year. I don't, I don't do that. But uh, the development parts of the dog that I feel more comfortable talking before I go there, we should have a, a high level veterinarian come on here so we could ask all those questions. Why do you guys tell everybody this? I have a good uh, we vet we can a, bring on. Her name's Od- Odette Suter. Uh, she's okay. oh, she, she, what? No, she's awesome. So she's like they. She she takes um, uh, like tr- poop transplant and transplants them to like other other dogs, like to uh, restore the gut biome of the dog. Uh, but she's always about you know. Like, so you did say poop transplant. That's what you said. Yeah. Poop transplant. So she gets a healthy mm-hmm. dog that has a good healthy gut biome, right? And yep. she'll. Uh, I don't know exactly what she does, but she somehow gives it to the new dog to restore the, the gut in, in the dog, yeah. in, the, in, the, in the sick dog. And so um, one of the things, because I've actually spoken to her before, um, and we had talked because, um, you know, my dog Pickles, uh, the little dachshund, she's not, she's not spayed. And we, we're choosing not to spay her because if we do spay her, it's going to be ovarian sparing spay. It's a different, you still keep the, the ovaries, um, you know, they don't, take out the ovaries it's they she still they still get to keep it so she still will have her hormones um naturally but she just can't get pregnant okay not that we're going to get around uh unaltered dogs anyways but anyways back to that she um I, I had a conversation with her a couple months ago and you know she's talking about the effects of um um uh, what's it called anti um what's the word i'm looking for bacteria and oh my god what's this word i'm looking for Bacteria, antibiotics, man. antibiotics. Okay. And, okay. and how that destroys the, the uh, microbiomes and, and the good bacteria in the stomach and things like that, and all the health issues that come with that. And so she has this whole like um, uh, membership program where you spend, I think it's like, I don't know, you pay like one fee and you get access to all her stuff and a community of group of people. And they kind of, you know, she's kind of leads to give you advice, but she puts you on a, on a program, you know, to have a good, healthy dog. And she's partnered with, um, Dr. Karen Becker and all them, like she, she's, I think they've done some stuff together. Cool. We should wait till she's on or something before. We're- yeah, she's, she's well, way smarter than I am. What's the purpose of, are they doing this for, for physiological help? Like in humans, they're coming to the conclusion that our gut and our gut biomes are, are really connected to our behaviors right. and our emotional state, right? And if you have a really, if your gut biome is off, then emotionally you can be Wonderful. considerably off. They approaching it because of that. that going on with me, I've got a bad gut or something. So also, well, you can't emotions processed in the gut as much as anything, not necessarily like we think it's our brain, but that our gut holds our emotional health. I, uh, I, and they're, or, go ahead. One of the things that she also, uh, cause I, I brought up to, uh, you know, I was asking her some questions. It was like behavioral issues, but I knew it had something to do medically. And I asked her about like dogs that eat grass or eat poop. And she said that if they're eating poop, it's because they're trying to self-medicate. They're trying to regulate everything in the body. So they're searching for this. So she's like, they will usually eat a poop of a more healthier dog. Because okay, now let's, let's go, let's stay on poop. This is where I believe firmly there is a, a, a infinitely stronger behavioral connection to poop eating than just that. I, I think if you, you be, there's, there's a connection to the response of humans when their dog takes a shit in the house as puppies that's connected to the natural response of a mother dog eating it. 
because the mother dog's going to keep it clean and eat it in front of them. And to me, because I've always had this question, it's, it's been weird because I've seen it over the years and that you'll, you'll get a pretty consistent answer. So how did you respond when your dog would have an accident? And it was always an emotional over response. Nice. And so I think like the wires get. Yeah. They, when they're, when the mother is licking uh, the urine and the feces from them when they're young, that's a nice, relaxing, calming. There's no emotion coming from the dog that's doing it. But when, when we get mad at, at the dogs, uh, when they poop, we can really trigger them to eat it faster. You know, they, they haven't, sometimes the dogs are just curious. He frees to you. Fortunately for the most yeah. part, any poop eater I've actually had was like drift was a, a poop eater when I found her, but she was locked up all the time. She went through six different, uh, homes before she was 10 months old. Uh, so she was just eating poop for the heck of it. But once I got her and we started doing things, she didn't have that desire. Other dogs are get stressed out. You know, you become competitive when you start yelling at the dog and chasing after them because it's disgusting to you and you want to get it out of their mouth because you kiss them on the face. All they're doing is telling the primal side of that dog, shit must be, well, this tastes like shit. I don't know why this woman wants it. I better eat it fast. It must be good. And so they'll get faster and faster and faster and faster. And then so they try hiding. to do it when you're not. Yep. And it, that's, that's a problem with the development of any dog. You know, we're talking about development is the human intervention, the wrong one. Just clean it up like you would a kid that shit their diaper. Just right. clean it up. You, you know, a kid that shit himself will pee on you while you're cleaning their ass. And they don't know anything about that you know we wear diapers until uh, you know <laughs> i got one on right now yeah same yeah. I, I do too wearing them too uh but uh, but those things are natural and what happens is the unnatural i paid fifty thousand dollars for that new carpet oh my god or whatever and dogs have no idea uh what financial things are what caught what it cost this or or that they have no clue when we put that on them. Uh, that's where big problems happen, which one of the, when we said this was going to be the topic, this is a big one for me. A lot of dogs that are, uh, quote, uh, resource guarders, they weren't resource guard. I just had this conversation with a, a pretty intelligent, uh, obedience guy. And, uh, and he, and he listened. Uh, I see so many videos where these puppies like young puppies, and the human always intervene. I got a, a resource guarding aggressive dog at, and then trainers who aren't all that educated come Correct in and start it. correcting yeah. just like the poop thing yeah. and then start to, to cause a problem. Now, here's the thing. I could show you video after video of these tiny puppies being what we would call aggressive to an older dog around food. And that older dog does this. Okay. Get it. Tell me about it, little guy. Oh, you want me to go over here? So they're doing a couple of different things. They're one, letting the, the puppy have its voice. And sometimes those puppies are the, the runts, so they really want them to have that voice. So they kind of let them have it. Uh, you can have a voice and I'll go away and show you that it that you can you can do that. The other thing is, is that they're so young, they don't know what the hell. But you know, they don't know what, I'm so hungry, uh, I'm variety. Uh, vicious about it. That's just part of growing. Watch toddlers. No, you can't have that. Now get angry. They'll slap. They even bite. 
you know? Punch. We interrupt, and I see these other videos where people are going, you let him do that. The, the thing that they're interrupting is the older dog either uh, giving the appropriate type of correction or, uh, you know, the, the older dog is getting in trouble because you leave that puppy alone. That's it's just growing. No, they know what they're doing. Let them do it. And I think a lot of big problems come from trying to, to solve a resource guarding issue when it's just literally a development thing. I don't know what this thing is inside of me. And I, I just jumped on all four paws and barked and stomped on the ground. They don't know. They don't know at that age. You know, it's too early to be doing all. Just give them the food and walk away. Let them tell you it's it's theirs. Who gives a shit? You know, it's only when they get older and they start really, you know, harming that you got to be concerned. But at first, it's just a natural thing. Communicate. Caesar would say, communication is good, Lynn. Because uh, I went over to his house one time and I, I think it was he had just gotten junior and uh, he he. He put uh, his food in between like three or four bikes that were stacked over there. So he had to climb it and it over. And uh, I was like, hey, man, he's growling at the his communication is good, Lynn. And so a lot of times Caesar would say stuff like that to me and, and I would process it for weeks on end and look for it in other areas to make sure that what I'm seeing and doing is exactly what he meant. And it's so true. I mean, that he, Junior was a little guy. There's nothing wrong with the instinctual part of him saying, I got it, it's mine, right? Okay, and then as he gets older, we can help him understand it's ours, you know, or I provide it for you and you respect that part. But in the beginning, they, they have no understanding of how to control themselves, let alone, you know, it's no different than peeing and pooping at that point. And I think that's a massive issue of interrupting the development. Uh, and um, is I think people are going to need more clarity from you on what you're suggesting they should do. Ah, that's good. In yeah. the, the presence of a puppy behaving that way. Well, rule number two, when you're not sure, make sure. Okay. So if you've got a little puppy and it's doing something like that, first thing you do is you Goldilocks shit and walk away. Just walk away. Don't interfere. Contact somebody that actually knows what they're doing and then go from there but just don't don't intervene with a correction and yelling because now you'll start a whole thing you're going to be competitive with me at feeding time oh okay that's how we eat i'll do that and now it grows it's like herpes you just pass it on to the next but you're right people need to understand it and i can't give an exact because the, the age range the dog the situation uh, everything but well, this, do you think that is more harmful than the people that to make some, I don't know, strange point um, are compelled to always mess with their dog while they eat? Like so they, they equate being able to touch and take their dog's food with their dog uh, not being possessive. And so they constantly, it turns into almost like harassment. It is. The dog, and then that triggers like a competition. That then leads to the possessive side of the behavior, as opposed to a dog that they that develop. Just throwing out possessive behaviors around food. I mean, that's always going to make me go, huh? You know, I mean, where you're, you're, you know, are you talking about a puppy? Yeah, yeah. It, like, I'll show you some some of my own footage, my own footage of my own dogs and and puppies that are acting that way, 
and let you see how the dogs handle it. They don't go in and pin them. Oh, they over. don't go in and grab them. No, they don't go grab them. No, they just, they just go, oh, okay. Oh, hey, did you see Spot got his voice today? You know, they'll, they'll share that information. You're, you're right. But uh, I mean, I think I should do a whole video thing on that to show all the different ways. But there are dogs, puppies that are possessive early on, but it's most likely because due to situation, it's situational. Yeah, that's what I'm saying is I think to help people, you want to clarify there, there there's a difference in the practice of an instinctual action versus a dog that you can tell is coming in, dick swinging, and ready to let everybody know who wants to know, this shit's mine. And and they're willing, you know, they start to get willing to take it on the chin. You know, you get all these different variations. I tend to see that harassment factor is something I want to point out more. So people don't, you know, don't, they can prevent an issue. They can prevent the chase. They can prevent, you know, I think a lot of that possessive behavior is taught in addition to not just the correcting, but even in good intentions of sit and they get the dog amped up and then they pull the dog back and then they touch it and reach in the food, do stuff like that. Some of that stuff is, you know, unavoidable because we're human. But to say I should be able to stick my hand in their bowl anytime, stick your hand in my bowl when I'm eating to see what happens, you know, I mean, that's just ridiculous. It might even be recoculous, but I think that, you know, if you give them the food, that let them eat it. If you didn't teach them how to accept the food, that's right. your fault. How, once, once I give them the food, I'm not, I, you know, unless something fell into it that's toxic or something harmful, I'll go and take it out of there. But, and if they bite me, it's okay. I'm trying to save their life which by the way they don't know you're trying to save their life uh you know it, it, we put too much of our own intelligence onto something that can't handle that but you're right uh i don't know you can't you can't stop these people from thinking they got to stick their hand in the bowl what if my child well if your child is over there what the fuck are you doing letting your child teach your child not to go over there oh i can't expect my kid to well i just watched you tell him no 15 times and, and they don't know what no means, but you still did it. Teach them or feed the dog separately. You know, I mean, don't take any chances. But yeah. So, Art, if you had a dog like that had possessive issues, and I'm just thinking because of my own strategies, I don't, I don't really, unless it's terrible, I don't directly address it. I give it a, two or three weeks, and I tend to find that just working on basic boundaries and fulfillment – and getting the dog to understand, if you want to get technical, how to move away at lower levels. I had a conversation with a client today about she was, they have a puppy and it's very mouthy. And, and she's like, what do I do? I'm like, uh, I don't want you to do anything, but this is what I do want you to do. And so I bring up the, the example of our dog Pickles again. Uh, when we brought her into the puppy and, you know, just she was excited. She's a happy-go-lucky dog, and so she gets excited when she would see my son. She would jump up and mouth them, and we didn't we didn't correct it, and we didn't do it. I was like, let's figure out like let's do. She's missing something, right? Let's instead of correcting her, let's let's give her something, not to redirect, but give her something. So just going on a walk. I mean, as simple as that sounds, it really was going on a walk as a family together. And I know yeah. it sounds really weird, and but we, I say we, we address it indirectly, and we do things. We, you know, uh, we kept Alicia on the house, and she, you know, we, we, we didn't really teach her place. So I just said, you know, I, I would just guide her. Uh, a behavior expectation drill, what Lynn would call. And so, yeah. 
uh, I mean, I leave the leash on the dog and guide her up to, to, to the bed. I sit down, she'd get up, I'd get up. And I would, we did this 20, 30 times while we're having dinner. Finally, she realized, oh, you want me to stay here? And I don't have to say anything. And now, now we tell her, go to bed. And she just goes there because she knows what to do. And so now right. she hangs out with the family. She doesn't, she doesn't jump. I mean, she jumps, but like she doesn't mouth and do all these things. Uh, and so we didn't address it directly. We didn't correct it, is what I'm trying to say. I think a lot of times people correct you're also it. Say, you're also not saying that you're avoiding it. You, correct. You're not avoiding the problem or the biting or the nipping, you're saying, let's do this instead. And then just naturally that stuff goes away, just like the the resource guarding when they don't understand. I'll take a, a dog that's even six years old that's been resource guarding. If I comes in, I don't even touch the uh, resource guarding at first. I give it other things to do. And then yeah. this part here, this thing that they thought I need to survive Ah, all these things are being taken care of for me. I don't need to do that. And that's the same thing you're describing with pickles. Um, she, oh, I want more. I want more. I want more. Okay. You got energy. Let's go for a walk. And that was perfect. Art. That's, that's excellent. Um, and people could really save a lot of money <laughs> by doing things like this, instead of adding to the problem and then finally having to call somebody, which then it's set in stone almost you gotta really do a lot of stuff to change that but just by i always say uh, if you want your campfire to go out stop putting wood in it and so every time you move your hand and move away the dog's just you're just telling the predator to come chase in a playful way for the puppy that's a, excellent that's the best advice ever give your dog something else to do if you don't like what they're doing give them something that you do like them doing well i think the big thing was learning a boundary right we're having dinner doesn't mean you know we talked about it last last time we talked about associative memory like um, when there's food on the table am i getting excited like what am i doing because a lot of mouth is either they're really excited or uh they're kind of really tired i've noticed also um and so another thing i'll tell people like if your your dog is mouthing you know if your dog is mouthing give it some rest When's the last time your dog got some rest? What's out? It's running around playing all day. Mm, probably needs, needs a good nap. You know, go rest. Um, and that, and for the, the the person I spoke to today when I went when I was working with at their house, I I told her I was like, look, this is what I want you to do. Want, I want we're going to figure figure out a schedule. I want to know what your schedule is currently. We're going to kind of modify it or, and change it, but it's going to be the same for the most part because they still walk the dog. Uh, I'm like I want you to walk the dog, feed her breakfast, put it in the crate, right? Kind of avoid that. Give it some rest. Uh, then bring it out. And, you know, kind of spend some time with it, you know, connect with it uh, in the afternoon, walk it again, put it back in the crate. So it learns how to you know, rest. Um, and I said, look, uh, I want you to do this. Give her a little protocol what to do. Say, let's call me next week and let's see, see where we're at at that point. So. I caught fast, slow. I, I caught fast, slow. So I take these dogs and I, and I take them out and I move them in a variety of ways, walking, running, you know, carrying the heavy vests. And then I come back in and I tie them off yeah. and then I take them back out in a couple of hours and I do the same thing. And, I, and like this little one, I'll usually tie them off to their crate. So then they find the most comfortable spot to rest is that crate. So then that becomes like an anchor for the owner. So now they have this spot that they rest in and just to your point, it teaches the brain how to, how to come down as opposed to coming in and then and going around so them options to choose from where they couldn't see them before 
Uh, yeah. And I think, you know, the owners that come to us, they're always wanting to learn more. And I think it's all about, hey, let's read what's in front of us before we add more to it. You don't need more information. You need better interpretation of what's in front of you. It's like I'm looking at what's in front of you to learn how to teach you. So it's not like you need more. You need to learn how you have this information in front of you. Like your dog's behavior is going to tell you what you need. And most of the time, if your dog's moving too much, you need to move it purposely and you're yeah. going to take care. Of it. So like, you know, that it needs to move. And, and by, you know, to your point, Art, just they'll tell you what they need. It's almost a game of opposites. If they're never moving, then they need to move. If they're only moving, then, then, then we need to teach you how to not move and all these or variations. Better to do while they're moving that drains the appropriate uh, energy. Can you, it's, it's getting, you can tell it's getting close to feeding time around here. Everybody's starting to get, oh, like, oh. Who are you doing? Who are you talking to there? Oh, yeah. Who's over there? I got this. I got my the oldest one. <laughs> she, I, all the rules is she gets so excited at feeding time, and I'm just like, yes, let's party. So every time I present food to her, she's spitting. She starts zooming left, zooming right. I feed her away from everybody. Counterintuitive or counter than what we normally teach. I but, do the same. I like my dogs doing things that would bother me or bother other people. So how do you explain that to people? Uh, because we want them to stop getting their dog excited, especially around food. Yet you get them excited. Um, um, I know what I do. You taught me this a long time ago, and it was actually the lesson from this has always sat in my brain from Canyon when we were at the park and you let her go and, and chase a squirrel. And the point was, is if you can keep them from chasing a squirrel, then you can let them chase a squirrel. So yep. the ability to have the psych, and then it's a conscious choice. So it, you can, you can make a bad choice consciously and it's not a bad choice because you chose it. You just have to understand the outcome of it. So I know now that she'll be excited with food. So I choose to feed her away from the other. I can feed her with my core group, but there's another, she has another reason she likes to eat outside, but, I also choose to feed her away so that when I bring in other dogs, I don't have to deal with the confusion of them watching her be excited, right? And, and while I'm asking everybody else to be calm. So I understand how to regulate it, which is important too. Is So you can do all kinds of nuance, but you need to consciously know why you're doing is how I would explain it. How about you? Well, I, I, w I want them to – I take everything down to zero first, and then I give them one. They'll go to four, back down to zero. I give them one, they go to three, back down to zero, not down to one, down to zero. And I give them one, they work one perfectly. I give them two, they go to five, back down to zero. So the thing that you said there, my canyon, if I can stop her from going after a squirrel, I can let her go after a squirrel. So my dogs understand that when I say it's time to be patient or quiet or relax, they'll do that. Otherwise, I, I don't care. It could be a party, but I establish the position first. Yeah. Uh, what do they say? You got to know the rules before you can break them. Yeah. So yeah, when you come into my house, you see my dogs there everywhere. That, like no way would anybody believe that uh, someone of my abilities lets the dogs do. I don't care as long as I go, Shh, and they all stop or at least look at me to see what I want them to do. Yeah. If I have already established this level of cooperation, then have at guys. You know, I think the most misunderstood part in the person and when people hear the message is they hear rigidness I and what they that. don't realize is that you're the part we're rigid about allows us to not be rigid about every other part. And, and so therefore, I think overall, we can almost do nothing in comparison to the average person to get this brain load of goodness. Right. 
Do you know what I'm saying? Like we're not always, nobody, no, we're never given direction. It's not like we're running around doing all these things. It's just reaping the rewards of the, of owning the fundamentals. If, like you said, it has to shut everything down. At a I minimum, need, look at me to see if I actually needed their attention. Do that I'm at. Yeah, exactly. Then, How do we get that job? <laughs> yeah, once, every, once the, it doesn't, you worked in restaurants, I worked, once you understand where everything is, the SOPs of everything, the side work, everything, well, now you can take your time. You can do whatever you want, but you got to know first. And so I do see a lot of trainers only. You can't get, I had people on mine, don't refer to your dog as your son. I'm like, fuck you. This is my, <laughs> this is my channel, first of all, and he is my son. But people will think that the dog, no, though you're making people sound more stupid than they are. If they can explain, if you can explain uh, what we just talked about, then by all means, love your dogs as much as you want. But first you have to be able to be in control. Uh, and I'm not saying, uh, you know, Hitler control. I'm talking about your choices are what you can control. And if you chose to bring in a dog that you're unable to handle, you made a choice that you now have new choices that you automatically have to make. I got to learn this. I got to do that until you can have no problem. That's your only focus, right? Is to learn what you need to do to be able to uh, get the control you want and then go back to having fun with your puppy or dog or whatever. But yeah, it's control first. You get what I mean by, I'm not talking about being controlling. I'm yes. talking about, you know, I, I'm controlling the event. I call everything that we do an event. That means I'm the director. I, I cut, you know, uh, so I, I, I created, I'm the writer too. I created the events. I am the director, I'm the producer. That means I'm in control. I'm not trying to, you know, be a robot. That I am responsible for those things that I chose from one thing. And when you do that, then you start to understand your responsibilities, your obligations, and then that that's the whole point of the pressure matrix is to help you see what you're missing so that you can then go to where you say you want to be. Yeah, you skip one one block here, one block there, you're not going to get where you want to go. You got to hit every single step of the way, you know, no skipping any part of the recipe or it won't be that recipe. You get what I mean, right? I get totally what you mean. <laughs> I let my, I mean, Lynn, you've been to my house. You, you've seen uh, all, all four of the dogs uh, with the exception of Buddha. Buddha's always been a challenge for me as you I know. Met, what? I met Buddha. No, you? I know, yeah, but. I no, I know, but I, I'm saying that the other ones are easy compared uh, to Buddha. Ah, yeah. That's what I'm because saying. Because that's the choice that you made was that dog. So it comes with its own set of responsibilities. That you fucking need. idiot, Art. What For the hell? For sure. You have no, no idea. I already made him feel that way. I already made him feel that way when he brought the dog oh, home. Like, what are you I, doing? This absolute dumb shit. I don't even know what you're talking about. Although yeah. I did have... I've ha I have a Pickles. I have a Mr. Pickles, though. He's much more distinguished because he's Mr. And I had a Buddha way back, too. So yeah, there you go. Well. That's the problem. Is you got to be your own original person and stop copying. Trendy. Trendy. Look, yeah. Where do you think that came from? What? What's that? 
the, the hat and glasses. Where do you think that came from, Art? <laughs> the one that's not wearing it today. Hey, by the way, kind of <laughs> off topic. Do you remember that, that TCW, uh, Todd, where you actually did your hat sideways, you put it up, and you walked up to Caesar, and yep. Caesar's like, <laughs> he thought it was you, Lynn. Yep. It was so funny. What are you doing here? Yeah. <laughs> doing? Oh, my God, that was so funny. All right. Yeah. Well, this has been a, this has been an awesome episode. Um, you know, we we kind of we were talking about development, but we kind of got off on topic, but off topic. But it's all it's all related. And I think we can all agree that when we talk about development. There's not just one thing. There's a, a lot of different things that go into development, uh, whether it's you know. Well, what are you developing, right? There's the there's you're developing behavior, or you're developing a you know a pattern. We're always developing small things or developing. Mm-hmm. For a big thing. Sometimes you have to manage, like like with Cleo and some of the other dogs that I've had that Mother Nature said no and the human nature said yes. You're doing a lot of managing with that development because right. there's there's just no Well you're under the development has a has a fi- more of a finite point. Whereas I think in a lot of our other cases we're always seeing extended growth. Those cases, those management cases are like, Yep, we're here. <laughs> yep. We're here. Let's Thank just goodness. maintain it here. But once you know you, you don't have to worry anymore. This is what yeah. we have. This is all we're going to do. And now we can love all we want. I think the biggest thing right here before, before, before we go, Art, I think the, the biggest thing is to understand that when you make a choice, whether it's to bring a dog into your home, a puppy or, or a, a boyfriend or girlfriend, you have now made a choice that comes with several things that are connected to it that you automatically choose. That means you're in control of or need to establish control of. And a lot of times it's just the understanding of things that people are missing. When people get frustrated and they get angry or confused about something with the dogs, it's because that that's where the cutoff is of their education or understanding. And a lot of times uh, that's when they take it out on the dog. All it takes is just to learn more. That's part of your responsibility. I'm, cool. I'm learning still. All right. Well, until next right, episode, right. I'll see you guys the next next episode. Thanks, guys. Don't hang up. Right. Yep. Adam, you going jujitsu?